Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. So we're currently going through the book of Revelation. Bob, it's great to have you with us today. Uh, Russ and Susie are on their anniversary uh, getaway at some hotel somewhere, so pray that God blesses them. Amen? So Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 8, and we get into the church of Smyrna. What do you know about the church of Smyrna? Those that have read about this church. They're one of the only churches that there's nothing negative about them. They were one of the only churches where Jesus just had good things to say. What was the other one? Philadelphia, right? The church of brotherly love. So all these letters to the seven churches were written by Jesus Christ to the church. Today we're going to go over the second church. It's Smyrna, so we're going to take a journey there really quick on that sailboat. You ready on your mind's eye to travel there? Okay. Smyrna is, uh, in the Greek, literally means myrrh. Who knows what myrrh is? What, what did the three wise men give Jesus? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh was, yes, well, part of it. Now, it's a sap from a tree and they would dry it and smash the myrrh and mix it with oil, and it was this beautiful-smelling, sweet fragrance. In fact, sometimes for medicinal purposes, they would put it in wine and put the myrrh in there and drink it. But Smyrna was a beautiful city. It had a big harbor. That's actually the harbor from modern-day Smyrna, but they actually have uh, merchant ships and all of that. Sometimes we think of Bible times as really old times. This is called the Agora or the Marking Place. They had a mall there all the way back to 300 B.C. that was three stories high filled with stores. Ladies, I want you to think about that. Malls are not new. They actually had malls in the Agora. And it's really interesting. Uh, see the, those archways right there? Let me go back. See, this was the top of the Agora, and they actually had another story on top of that where they had stores and merchants, and they sold all kinds of goods. But below, they literally had an underground part to the shopping mall, and that's what it looked like below. Sometimes we think, well, in the Bible times, it was so easy for them because they don't have the struggles that we have. I got to tell you, they had everything that we have except electricity and technology. They had beautiful buildings, they had libraries, they had banks. That's what an uh, artist's rendition of what the city of Smyrna would look like. The amphitheater, the business district, the courthouses and all of that, the banks and the houses and the port would have looked much like that. It's quite a beautiful city. Uh, when you think about the architecture and what went into it. It was about 40 miles north of Ephesus, which we covered last week. Had a great harbor. It was a straight sail to Athens, about 40 to 60 miles to Athens sailing. Catalina's how far out, Bob, from here? 22 from Newport, 32 from... Yeah. Oh, 26. Yeah, Bob's a, a seaman, so he, he would know that. Um. As far as trade, it had the biggest shopping agora or mall in the Hellenistic world. There was not a bigger mall than that. What's the biggest mall in America? Mall of America, right? <laughs> it's huge. I, I hear that you can't even go through it in one day. Uh, it's so big. Smyrna was noted for its beauty. It was very temperate, much like our climate here, almost on the same latitude that we're on. Had beautiful buildings, well-paved streets. The road that the Romans built that carried all the commerce went right through Smyrna. Its Acropolis or Citadel on Mount Pegasus looked like a crown back in those days, and it became the symbol for the city. Smyrna was a wonderful city, but there's one thing bad about Smyrna. In fact, in Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 8, the church in Smyrna was persecuted, and they weren't allowed really to buy or sell. And we're going to get into that. 
That's what the business district looked like. And this is all, all kinds of stuff. Alexander the Great rebuilt the city of Smyrna. <clears throat> and uh, it was quite amazing. I'm skipping some. How many of you have ever heard of Polycarp? All right. So John wrote the book of Revelation. That's the book we're studying uh, right now in church. And John had a disciple named, guess who? Polycarp. Polycarp knew the Apostle John. In fact, the Apostle John discipled Polycarp, and then Arrhenius was Polycarp's disciple, and they all wrote about uh, interesting things and about the martyrdom of Polycarp, which he would have been killed there. All right. Arrhenius, Polycarp's disciple, said this. The resurrection of the just, which takes place when? Talking about the rapture. Can you read it up there? After the coming of the Antichrist. Polycarp was killed in Smyrna, and many other Christians were killed. Persecution was rampant, and society didn't like them much at all. All right, so why did you think Christ chose these seven churches to write his letters to? What did I tell you in the beginning? Yeah, all the churches represent every believer in every church throughout the ages, but more than that, the names of the churches represent a story. These are the major cities during this time when, I'm not, not Paul, but John wrote this, Troy, Smyrna, Sardis, Ephesus, and Miletus. These are the major cities in that time. But he didn't write to the church in Troy. He didn't write to the church in Miletus. He wrote to two other smaller cities that had churches, but he did that because the names mean something, and we're going to go through that after we cover all seven churches. All right, so Smyrna means myrrh. We talked about that, a sweet pregnance, uh, fragrance. It's used for medicine to deaden pain. Uh, once it was used to embalm Christ in the Bible in John chapter 19, verse 39. Mainly it was used for anointing and perfume. It would also, guess what, Keep the bugs off you. Have you ever heard of that? What else does that? Peppermint will do that. So if you don't like bug spray, you can do peppermint. You can do all these oils. It'll keep the bugs off you, which is kind of interesting. So let's turn to Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And we're just going to read it and then go through it really quick. How many Christians in the world today are being persecuted? A lot. There are Christians all over the world today that are being beheaded, imprisoned, and killed for their faith. Smyrna was one of those churches. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, To the angel or pastor of the church of Smyrna write, The first and the last, that's who Christ? The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was dead and has come to life. Remember, Christ was crucified and came to life, says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, he will not be hurt by the second death. So we find Smyrna, there's not one negative thing that Christ said about it. The other churches, oh man, remember Ephesus? What did they do last week? Left their first love. Yeah, right, and we're going to see some of the other ones. It's, it's really bad. Christians in Smyrna were persecuted, but this is also prophetic. Remember, these seven letters to the seven churches not only represent each Christian, each church throughout the generations, but it's written to the church of the last days. That's why in Revelation chapter 1 it says, man, he who hears the words of this prophecy and guards against the things which are written in it will be blessed. Okay, that's the church of the last days. Number one is tribulation. Uh, I know that last seven-year period we all refer to as the tribulation period. Nowhere does the Bible really call it that. In fact, throughout the New Testament, it says, man, in this life you will have what? Tribulation. It literally means pressure or crushing. 
poverty, the Roman guilds would not buy from those who did not worship the emperor. And in Smyrna, Smyrna became the capital of emperor worship. If you didn't give homage and worship the emperor, you couldn't buy or sell in the Agora, the marketplace, the largest mall in the Hellenistic world. Exactly. Prophetically, it's a reference to Revelation 13, 17. The Antichrist, one day, we are going to go to a cashless society. Do you, can you see it coming? I mean, already the chips in our, our credit cards, that chip will soon be implanted right there. By the way, mark means etching. A chip is etched. And you won't be able to buy or sell unless you pledge allegiance to the Antichrist. Here, you had to pledge allegiance to Caesar but you didn't get a mark. This is prophetic to the church of the last days as well. No one will be able to buy or sell unless he has a mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. And the Jews at that time, remember we just read, they were called the synagogue of what? Satan. But this is a, right after the Dispura, that, which began in 70 AD, there was no prominent Jewish presence in any Roman city at this time. They had all fled, many into North Africa, Alexandria, in Egypt. They all fled away. The Jews weren't persecuting the Christians here. So the synagogue of Satan, this is a direct reference to when the Jews follow the Antichrist as Messiah. There will be a world leader that comes on the scene that will bring peace to the Middle East. I believe we're going to see it. The Jews will believe this guy is Messiah and follow him, and then they will legitimately become the synagogue of Satan. And that's what we read. All right. <clears throat> Jesus gives us how long they're going to have to endure this persecution and trial. It's 10 days, Revelation 2.10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil's going to cast some of you into prison, all of you or some of you. Some of you, right? Just like it says, some will be martyred for the faith. And the devil will cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Just want to pick that apart really quick. Do not fear is the greatest command in scripture. There's more times, more often, God says do not fear than any other command. Even to love. Everything you go through in life is a test. How are you doing with the tests of life? Like Pastor Chris's homily, are you in the flesh and driven by anger and emotions and frustration and anxiety and worry? Or are you in the spirit being a man or woman of faith, trusting fully in the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, when you're a child of God, he goes before you. No matter what you face, whether cancer or sickness or poverty or riches he gives you the strength to do all things amen that's why in our letter to smyrna he said you are poor parentheses oh but you're rich remember how about laodicea they were rich but spiritually they were what poor dead yeah they were lukewarm he said i urged you to buy from me gold refined in the fire which is faith Ten days of tribulation. I believe this is literal. Now, throughout the Bible, uh, seven often represents what? Completion. Uh, six represents the number of man. Ten usually is interpreted literally. I believe it's going to be a very short time of tribulation that the church in the last days that see the Antichrist will have to endure this horrible martyrdom. The breaking of the fifth seal is Christians who die for their faith under the false Messiah, the world system that's coming. Mark chapter 13, verse 19, it says, For those days, uh, in those days, there will be time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of creation, which God created until now and never will. Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. Now, Daniel talks about a certain amount of days that if you endure these days, you're going to be blessed. But that's about 30-some days, almost 41 days, somewhere in there. 
But this, it says, 10 days of persecution. I believe that Christ said, hey, the days that Daniel prophesied, they're going to be cut short to about 10 days. Does that make sense? Okay. So we need to prepare for at least to endure to the end for those 10 days, I believe. 1 Peter 4.16, it says, But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in, in this name. For it is time that judgment begins where? In the household of God. I tell you what, that last seven-year period is going to be a time where the world is judged. Guess what the three and a half years first are going to be judging? The world's going to enjoy this false peace through the Antichrist. The Jews will think their Messiah has come. The Muslims will believe the Mahdi has come. The world will, after the first, second seal, which is war, is going to enjoy a false peace under a false Messiah. Only the church will be purified and persecuted during this time. Just like Smyrna, Christ had nothing bad to say about it. The church that goes through persecution, I can assure you, will be a church that is powerful for the Lord. They will not deny the faith. They will endure to the end, which we're told over and over again. So I believe that judgment that Peter is talking about is that first three and a half years of the 70th week of uh, Daniel. First Timothy 3.15, we know the household of God is the church of the living God. That's God's house. And judgment will begin with that before he judges the world. I think my PowerPoint just crashed again. <laughs> this happened last week too, didn't it? Hold on a second. You know, I did a dry run on this in my office and it worked perfect. It must be this room. Here we go. Hold on. We're almost there. There we go. Slideshow play from current side. Oh, there we go. All right. First Peter chapter one, verses six and seven says in this, you great re greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been d distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the rapture of the church. Even Peter, who was probably uh, the first leader of the Christian church, said, man, in what? You rejoice in the trials, in the tribulation. How many of you, when you're sick or you're having struggles financially or any other way, do you run to the Lord like no other time in your life? I do. When I'm sick, when I'm wondering how I'm going to pay my bills, I run to the Lord. I'm close to God. I'm, oh, Lord, I need your help. And I stay close to Him. But when things are going good, usually what do we do? Hey, I got this, God. Hey, don't worry about it. Lord, man, I've got it. And we don't pray. It's during times of tribulation or distress or trial that we run to the Lord, that we become typically the children of God that he always wanted us to be. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. Let me ask you, have you been persecuted? So far in next week, we're going to talk about the uh, phases of persecution. And even in America, which was once a Christian nation, now Christians are going to be societally persecuted. Have you seen it? Even Trump, for standing for uh, the side of, of right-wing evangelicals, is being torn apart by the media. We will see it increase. We're going to go through the phases of other uh, countries that have gone through it, and we'll see exactly where we're at. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Have, can we see that? Man, things were bad in the 70s, 80s. Now it's worse. And it seems like they're getting worse exponentially. I cannot believe how our nation has become a divided nation. How people are, uh, man, just tearing each other apart. Persecution of Christians is literally beginning worldwide. 
In other countries, it's even more severe than here. And next week, when we do our State of the Union sermon, we're going to get into that. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, it says, You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endured to the end, he will be saved. Are we hated by all nations yet? Not yet, but we're really close. We're really close. Matthew 24, 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark 13, 13, you'll be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. All of that Christ is talking about enduring to the end, and that begins with the day of the Lord. It's the end of the church age where we are raptured up. And then God's wrath and judgment is poured out on this world. And that's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Day of the Lord begins with the rapture, ends with the final judgment. It's a little over a thousand years, this day of the Lord. All right, beloved, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, as though some strange things were happening to you. But to the degree you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of his glory, that's the rapture of the church. By the way, revelation means what? The unveiling, the revealing, literally it's the appearing. The idea is, man, when Christ appears in his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. 1 Peter 4.12 Persecution has always been around. Do you know that? Have you read about Paul, what he went through? Beaten three times, shipwrecked, treading water, imprisoned over and over again, thrown to the lions in Ephesus. He battled, and remember we talked about that last week. And he, he was victorious, and we saw that great arena. By the way, how, how much would that, col that uh, Colosseum in Ephesus seat? 25,000, you remembered. Yeah, good job. Uh, how about this? Others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom this world is not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 35 through 38. Persecution has always been around. Folks, I got to tell you, when someone says, oh, the Lord would never allow his church to go through a bad time of persecution, it's always been here. Folks, we need a kind of faith that regardless of what happens, we endure to the end. Amen? I tell you what, a little thing happens in our household, and it's like, oh, woe is me. Oh, it's so hard. It's like, what? That's nothing. It is faith that will see us through. And i got to tell you the key to enduring to the end. It's faith. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Today, Christians are being beheaded and tortured through the 1040 window. That's that window that's primarily Muslim nations. Have you seen it on a map? It's latitude 10 to 40. James chapter 1, verse 2, we all know it. It says, Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials or tribulations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, when Christ returns, he's returning to the spotless bride. Have you read that? A bride without what? Spot or wrinkle? Man, washed in the blood of the Lamb, but it's a victorious church that has endured to the end. Let me ask you a question. What will that end-time church that's here for the rapture have to endure? Jesus said it, you'll be hated by all nations. You're going to be persecuted. You will go into 10 days of tribulation. We need to now prepare to endure to the end. In fact, we're commanded over and over again in the book of Revelation and uh, the Gospels, he who endures to the end will be saved. We need that kind of faith. 1 John 2.18, it says, children, it's the last hour. 
And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. By this we know it's the last hour. Here in the Greek it's pretty clear. Hey, he's coming and you're going to see him. That's why we read Arrhenius, who was Polycarp's disciple, who was John's disciple, who said the church will endure persecution under the Antichrist. Now, I got to tell you, I believe that man of God who wrote that, that was literally a disciple of John's disciple who wrote the book of Revelation more than commentators today. In fact, not one early church writing says we will go up in the rapture prior to the 70th week of Daniel. Not one. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Why would he make that statement? He was being what? Persecuted, beaten, imprisoned. He goes, man, I'm here on this planet as a soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm going to endure. What is, I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to end strong. I'm going to endure. And that's the caliber of Christian we need in the days ahead. Thank God that the Supreme Court has made a few decisions this past couple of weeks that really were on the side of right. But folks, have you heard the backlash from those things? Man, this country is in big trouble. We're going to talk about it next week. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Book of Revelation later on, it says, Blessed is he who dies in the name of the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? You see, when persecution is great, when trial is great, we know when we die where we're going. Every martyr in Scripture and outside of Scripture. Have you ever read Fox's book of martyrs? Okay, it's a book that records all the stories of the martyrs in the early church. And Polycarp was one of them. <clears throat> they actually burned him at the stake. And Polycarp said, your fire will last maybe an hour and go out, but I will enter the glory of my Savior. How can I deny my king to worship an, your emperor? I will never do it. They burned him at the stake, and he praised God in the midst of burning. Remember Stephen when he was stoned? Did he cry out in pain and agony? Oh, please stop. What did he do? He looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and the heavens opened and he saw God the Father and Jesus Christ at the right hand and he gave glory to God. Paul said, man, for me to live is Christ. It's work, it's toil, it's trial. We live in enemy territory, but to die, oh man, that's gain. We immediately go to the presence of the Lord. No more pain, no more sorrow. The Bible is filled with information on how to endure to the end. A lot of pre-trib guys say, if we were meant to be here for part of that 70th week, <clears throat> the Bible would give us instruction on, you know, enduring that and persevering and, and all of that. Throughout the New Testament, almost every book talks about how to endure persecution and tribulation. In fact, it's the first five uh, seals that it talks about in Matthew 24 and throughout the whole New Testament. 75% is one calculation, is instruction on how to persevere to the end, to endure to the end, to stand strong in the faith, to fight the good fight. <clears throat> I got water, thank you. I was yelling and screaming last night a little bit at my wife. No, <laughs> no. Someone had a 4th of July party and we went. And so they were they were playing songs, and I was like, "Woohoo!" my you know. By the way, when's Angie's birthday, Bob? <clears throat> how many how many June birthdays we got? Mike, when's your birthday? Twenty fifth. Happy belated birthday! Oh, June, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, at the potluck, we'll sing happy birthday to all you guys. All right. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verse 35, and I need my glasses for that one. You probably can't even read it up there. It says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Note this. Will tribulation? No. Tribulation, what is that? Pressure, it's <clears throat> trial. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. All of these things listed right there are the first five seals. 
Matthew 24, the disciples said, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? What's the end of the age? The rapture of the church. We already just read two verses that said that. And he said, see to it that you are not misled. For many will come in my name saying, I am the, the Christ. Guess what? First seal. Rider on the white horse. Then you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. That's not now, folks. That's the second seal in the 70th week of Daniel. Then there'll be famine and pestilence. Oh, third seal. Earthquakes in diverse places and death by the sword. Fourth seal. Then you're going to be killed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fifth seal, mar Christian martyrs. Exactly what even Romans 8, Matthew 24, and Revelation 6 talk about. Verse 36, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Were they being persecuted during that time? Absolutely. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? I love that. I love that we are assured our salvation. Revelation 2.10 again, it says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Folks, we don't fear what's coming. We prepare to endure. Behold, the devil might cast some of you into prison so that you'll be tested and you'll have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown of life. You know, we sing that song, we fall down, we cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus. You know, all our crowns are symbol. We, don't, we never get a literal crown. Did you know that? I know I've been taught my whole life, oh, I get another uh, nugget in my crown. Have you ever been taught that? I get another golden diamond in my crown because I just did a good deed. You know, so as a kid, I did a lot of good deeds. I thought, man, my crown's going to be awesome. You know, this golden crown. What are the crowns we get? The crown of life. That's this one. That's, by the way, crown in the Greek there is Stephanos. Each time the crown that it talks about the crown we get, guess what that is? It's not a gold crown. It's the wreath that the athletes would get at the Olympiads back during this time. It's just simply that wreath. Perishable, right? Huh? Yes, exactly. So crowns, we get the crown of eternal life. The uh, imperishable wreath, that's our eternal life. The crown of righteousness, the crown of life, the crown of glory. Never does the Bible say we're going to get a literal crown. Interesting, right? Do not fear. Exactly. It's righteousness. It's eternal life. It's glory. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So do not fear. This command is stated more than any other command in Scripture, and faith we know is the opposite of fear. Folks, I got to tell you, the enemy wants you to be anxious and fearful. Maybe he's moving you across the country. Do not be anxious or afraid. Do not fear. The Lord goes before you. I can assure you, he knows the very day you're going to die. And there's nothing you can do about it. He knows how you're going to die. He knows when you're going to die. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. That should give you hope. You see, the Lord in Romans chapter 12 says, I will not make you go through what you are unable to, that word again, endure. You see, just like Polycarp and all the faithful men of old and women who became Christian martyrs from the first century all the way up to uh, 100 AD, the second century, man, they were faithful. They were men and women of faith and they didn't, like, woe is me. God gave them the strength to endure. And I got to tell you, he will give us the strength to endure whatever we face. Death, sickness, bankruptcy, whatever. Matthew 10, 22, it says, you'll be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Remember the end, the end of the age, the rapture of the church, 
the beginning of the day of the Lord. We must make prayer and love toward our brethren top priorities in these last days. 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 and 8 says, The end of all things is at hand. Talking about that day of the Lord. The end. Notice they all talk about that. Therefore be of sound judgment, are you? Sober of spirit. What does that mean? Don't be under the influence of anything but the Holy Spirit. For the purpose of prayer, above all, keep fervent in your love one for another. Have you ever wondered in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Now abide faith, hope, and love, or the end of chapter 13. These three, but the greatest of these is faith. No, it doesn't say that. The greatest of these is what? Love. I have pondered that at length. Okay, you can't be saved unless you have faith, but love is greater than faith. I want you to think about that. That goes with James where faith without works because love is an action word. It is demonstrating your love for God. In fact, you can't have, you can't have faith if you don't love God. Does that make sense? So could we say love is an expression of faith? We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. Love one another even as Christ loved us. Love our spouse even as Christ loved us. Right, exactly. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in what? Tribulation. Yeah, devoted to prayer. Folks, of all the people on this planet, and I say this often, we should be the most celebrant, joyful, happy people on the planet. That's why my voice is a little scratchy today. Last night, I was, was I the most loudest, joyful person there at that party? <laughs> no, maybe not. All right, contributing to the needs of saints, practicing hospitality. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what you're facing, moving across the country, looking for a job, uh, wondering how you're going to pay your bills, maybe your marriage is, is at odds with your spouse right now, and you're wanting God to heal that, uh, whatever's going on, it is your faith in Jesus Christ that will give you the strength to endure both now and if we're here during the 70th week of Daniel. If you find yourself in battle this morning, the great news is you have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's walking in the Spirit, like Pastor Chris's homily said. We live in enemy territory. Do you know that? This world right now is Satan's domain. Remember when Christ was tempted, Satan took him to a high mountain and said, man, if you bow down to me, Jesus Christ, I'll give you the whole world. I'll give you all the kingdoms of earth. Yes. And Jesus wouldn't do it. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, it says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. We need to start living like this world is not our home. Are you with me? Our, our citizenship is up there. We are strangers passing through. Our home is up there. Everything that happens here is just a test. It's only a test. Man, I want to work hard. I want to fight the good fight. I want to act like a soldier that's out on the battlefield where you're not concerned about the affairs of everyday life. You've got a mission, and you're going to fulfill that mission no matter what. Do we have a mission? Absolutely. The most often used analogy for Christians in Scripture is that of soldiers or descriptions of fighting the good fight or putting on the armor of God or standing firm in the faith. 
Jesus' first statement to the church is about that. In fact, he said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, check this out, the gates of hell will not overpower the church. I, I want you to consider that. What is that implying? Do gates move? Only if you what? Conquer territory. If your territory is expanding, your gates are going to move. What he's saying is, man, the very first thing he said about the church, man, in the last days, folks, you know when the Antichrist sets up his one world government? The gates of hell will be where? The whole earth. Everyone is going to follow him except Christians. And Christ, the very first thing he said to the church is, don't worry, guys. Man, even though it's going to seem like the gates of hell have taken over the whole world, you're going to be a remnant bride. You're going to be faithful. You're going to endure to the end. We don't need to worry about it. It will get worse. Remember what God tells us about the last days. When I return, Jesus said, will I find faith in the earth? Okay, that statement is prophetic. He says, man, the... the apostasy what's that falling away from faith in the last days will be so great the remnant bride of christ jesus will i even find faith on the earth as for me i'm going to remain faithful to the end difficult times will come first timothy haters of good women desiring for women men for men you'll be hated by all nations on account of my name the love of many will grow cold matthew 24 and right after that statement, it's, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Matthew 24, 9, then they will deliver you to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. I know this is a bummer sermon. Looking forward to great persecution and all hell breaking loose on the planet. At that time, many will fall away. That's the apostasy that's one of the first signs of the rapture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. In fact, it says this, Man, concerning the coming of our Lord and our gathering together to Him, be to it that you are not quickly shaken or disturbed, either by letter from us or those from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you. That day will not come, the rapture, until the apostasy comes first, and the man of sin, of lawlessness, is revealed, the son of perdition, when he goes into the temple and proclaims himself God. Two events that have to precede the rapture, and it appears that we will see them. That's when the apostasy will happen. You'll be hated by all, and then Jesus says, man, that's when the apostasy is going to happen. These people that apostatize from the faith really never had the faith to endure to the end. Amen? How's your faith? Many false prophets will arise and mislead many, and because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold in the church. That's the agape love. Wow. Now abide these three things, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And Christ said in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. But the one who endures or overcomes to the end, oh, he will be saved. How many times is that stated in Scripture? A lot. Do you think he's trying to prepare us for this? You know, the Great Commission is given to the church. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And here he says quite clearly in Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, then the end will come. And the end is the rapture of the church, the end of the church age. The fullness of the Gentiles come in. Revelation 2, 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Revelation 21 and 22, it talks about the new Jerusalem, right? Right? 
on the new earth. And the tree of life grows on each side of the river, right next to the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb. The river comes out, the tree of life's there, and we will live in that new Jerusalem and have access to eat of the tree of life. Why did Adam and Eve have to get kicked out of the garden? Because of the tree of life. No, they ate the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and now God said to the son, he said, man, we need to get them out of the garden on before they eat of the tree of life and live forever in their current state. Hmm. Yes, exactly. So it's not till the rapture that we get to eat of the tree of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. And we know, hey, to be born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once at most. Are you with me? The second death is the final judgment, the lake of fire. Amen? All right. Overcomes, overcomes, overcomes. All right, so we know the secret to being an overcomer. 1 John chapter 5, verse 2, we have four minutes. Four minutes. By this we know the love of the children of God, when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Here's the key. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I have been through some horrific situations in life. And it was my faith that gave me victory. It was my faith that allowed the fruit of the Spirit to fill my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If it wasn't for my faith in Jesus Christ, I would be the most ugly person you'd ever meet. But my faith sustained me when I lived in a car, homeless, when I lived on a boat. Whatever trial I have faced, it was my faith that gave me strength and joy in the midst of it. Folks, in the days ahead, we need solid faith. You know, you can ask God, to increase your faith. This morning, if you need that, I can assure you, you will have victory through whatever trial you face now or in the future. God will go before you. He will be your rear guard. It is faith that is most important to be victorious in this life. He who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is the one who overcomes the world? So it is faith in believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that came, died, paid for our sins, that we are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. Ephesians 6.12, we have three minutes, two minutes. It says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. That's demonic forces. Therefore, let us take up the full armor of God so that we will be able to resist in the evil day. And we're going to get to that, but that evil day is a day like the day of the Lord. To stand firm, to endure to the end, and having done everything, to stand firm. Back to our text, and we're about ready to finish it. Two minutes. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, he who endures, he who perseveres, he who faces even death with faith will not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 21, 8 tells us what the second death is. It's that final judgment. And we won't be hurt for it. And I already told you that. So we don't fear anything but God himself. And I just want to close with this. Folks, come hell or high water, if you have solid faith in God, you know he's going to go before you. You know he's going to sustain you. And even if you face death, sickness, whatever it is, 
he will hold you and give you his fruit to endure even that trial to the end. Amen? I've seen it over and over again. Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who do what? Fears him and rescues them. We don't fear anything but God. I believe that's the kind of faith we need in these last days. The Church of Smyrna had it. The Church of Smyrna was one of the only churches with no negative things said about them. They were poor, but they were rich spiritually. And they were persecuted and enduring tribulation. And prophetically, it's the church of the last days just prior to the rapture that will have those 10 days to endure. Worship team, come on up. If you need prayer... While they're coming up, uh, Pastor Chris and I will be in the back. Oh, both Pastor Chris and Chris Brunt. After this song, I want to bring uh, Pastor Chris Brunt and Kristen, Kylie and Savannah up, and we're going to all lay hands on them and pray for them that God would go before them. But we'll sing the song first, and after the song, we'll have you guys come up. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. In the days ahead, that's what we're going to have to do. Amen? Take refuge in the Lord. Sand restores my soul, satisfies my Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, Contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. Satisfies my needs